0: Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for October 1st, 2022, Saturday Reading of the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo. Today, we will be reading the following main articles. Breaking Aurora Police Shoot Kill One After Car Chase Crash in Northeast Aurora Saturday morning by the Sentinel Aurora Man arrested after year long investigation into pattern of assaults on children by Max Levy. Proposal to kill Aurora's two dollar unemployment tax would cut five point nine million dollars from city budget by Max Levy, editorial, move beyond politics and resolve how, why McLean was killed at the hands of Aurora Police medics, by the Sentinel Editorial Board, and following up with miscellaneous articles, breaking, Aurora Police shoot, kill one after car chase, crash in Northeast Aurora Saturday morning, by the Sentinel October 1st, 2022. Aurora. Police from Denver and Aurora are sorting out police chase Saturday morning in Northeast Aurora that resulted in a car crash, officers shooting at suspects, and killing one person. An officer was also injured during the crash. Details about the chase, crash, and shooting are forthcoming, police said, at about 9 a.m. Aurora police said there was a quote, large police presence, unquote, in the area of East 75th Avenue and Gun Club Road, and the Denver police were assisting. Police said one person was in custody, and another dead after the chase, and that the injured officer was Quote, expected to be okay, unquote, police said in a tweet. Denver police are leading the investigation since this is an Aurora police officer-involved shooting, the second in about a week. As of 9 a.m. Saturday, the eastbound exit ramp from Peña Boulevard to the Gun Club Road, Cell Phone lot is closed. Additionally, Southbound Gun Club Road is closed at East 77th Avenue. Aurora Man Arrested After Year-Long Investigation into Pattern of Assaults on Children by Max Levy, Sentinel Staff Writer, September 30th, 2022. Aurora an Aurora man has been arrested and accused of multiple counts of child sexual assault, part of a pattern of abuse that may have continued for a decade or more, according to an announcement Friday by police. Leopoldo Zapata Valdenagro, 64, was arrested September 21st, nearly a year after police launched an investigation into a sexual assault reported by a young girl. Police said they identified multiple children who are believed to be victims of zabata Negro during the course of their investigation. Charges against zabata Valdenegro of sexual assault on a child by one in a position of trust with a pattern of abuse were filed by the 17th Judicial District Attorney's Office in Adams County, where the case will be prosecuted. Police spokesman Matt Longshore said police could not release additional details about the alleged victim's age nor Zabata Valnegro's relationship with them. The police announcement said detectives believe more children may have been victimized by Zabata Valnegro and encouraged anyone with information about incidents involving the man to call the police agency where the incident would have occurred. Information and tips can also be provided anonymously to Metro Denver Crime Stoppers by calling 720-913-7867 or by submitting a report online at www.MetroDenverCrimestoppers.com. Proposal to kill Aurora's $2 employment tax would cut $5.9 million from city budget. By Max Levy, Sentinel Staff Writer, September thirtieth, two 2022. Aurora. An end to Aurora's so-called, quote, occupation privilege tax, unquote, on businesses and employees may be in sight under a proposal by council conservatives that would also leave a million revenue hole in the city's budget, also called a, quote, head tax, unquote. The levy imposes a monthly $2 tax on businesses for each employee and $2 monthly from each employee of an Aurora-based business. The cut would save individuals working in Aurora $24 a year, while most businesses would save $24 per year per employee, what impact this would have on the city of Aurora is unknown and would depend on what the city council removed from the budget to compensate. Budget manager Greg Hayes said during a policy committee meeting Thursday that the $5.9 million in lost revenue is greater than the general fund budgets of at least four different city departments. Quote we would have to go find that money from somewhere, unquote. Hayes said. Quote, it is a significant amount of money. Unquote. Manager of tax Jeffrey Edwards said that if the council didn't want to cut funding for police, fire, 911, dispatching, courts, transfers, or other mandates, they would have to cut 5% from the $117 million remaining of the city's $475 million budget, consisting mostly of other personnel and supplies. Council Member Danielle Jurinski, the proposal's sponsor, said she thought the cut was the right move to lift an quote, additional, unnecessary, burdensome tax, unquote, from businesses and workers. Quote, the fact that we have a tax on businesses and workers in the city of Aurora stating that it's their privilege to do business in the city or be a worker in the city. I can't believe this has never been brought up before, but I think that we absolutely need to change our mindset on that, unquote, she said Tuesday. Aurora's, quote, occupational privilege tax, unquote, was introduced in 1986 to offset the cost of public benefits such as police and fire protection and road maintenance enjoyed by those who work in the city, according to Edwards. The annual revenue collected via the tax goes into the city's general fund, which is mostly fed by sales and use tax. A portion of the privilege tax is also remitted as part of the tax increment financing deal in the Aurora Urban Renewal Authority, Edwards said. He said that today, Aurora is one of five Colorado cities that impose such a tax, along with Denver, Greenwood Village, Glendale, and Sheridan. Quote, this was essentially a way for us to distribute the tax burden for the city to those that are coming into the city to work, Unquote, Edwards said. But conservatives say they wanted to axe the tax, arguing that it is instead a privilege for Aurora to be facilitating the work of local businesses and employees. Quote, In terms of sending a signal that we want to continue to be the most business-friendly city in this state, we have to, I think, change our mental model and recognize that it's actually a privilege for us to have employees here and it's not a privilege for them to work here, unquote. Council member Dustin Zdolvnik said while speaking in support of the tax cut, the scope of the cut and the fact that it was being introduced just weeks before the council is scheduled to finalize the city's 2023 budget led others to express skepticism. Council member Crystal Murillo called it a quote last minute unquote addition to the budget and pointed out that Jurinsky was introducing a large cut whose impacts were unclear the day after the Council voted to require that policy proposals come with a cost estimate. The ordinance concerning cost estimates, which passed unanimously on first reading Monday, will require the city manager to prepare an estimate before an item is voted on that includes the projected financial impact of a policy to the city and where the money would come from to pay for it. A council member bringing forward an item outside of the budgeting process would also be required to find additional revenue or cuts to offset the impacts of the item. While Jurinsky said Tuesday that there was a surplus in the budget and that she felt she wouldn't be required to identify spending cuts to offset the tax break, city staffers confirmed that the tax cut would mean an ongoing $5.9 million annual cut to revenues, Quote, coming into the conversation and just saying that, oh, we have a surplus and therefore I don't really need to look for the accompanying piece of where this ongoing revenue would come from is concerning to me, Unquote. Murillo said, Quote, there will be budget implications. I would like a better understanding of where city management would take those ongoing funds." Zvanek replied that it was fortunate the budget discussion was happening at the same time so the council could figure out how to make the cut work. Quote, I think now's actually the perfect time to move it forward, Unquote. he said. Quote, it means we'll have to do some work, but that's okay because that's what we were elected to do," When Murillo opposed the item moving forward from the Management and Finance Policy Committee, council members Curtis Gardner and Dustin Zvonick voiced support, meaning it is on track to be considered by the entirety of council at a future meeting. Editorial, move beyond politics and resolve how, Why McLean Was Killed at the Hands of Aurora Police, Medics, by Sentinel Editorial Board, September thirtieth, two 2022. Nearly three years after Elijah McLean was killed because of a botched encounter with Aurora Police and Medics, McLean's family, and the public can still make little sense of the debacle. News this week from the Adams County Coroner regarding a lethal dose of ketamine injected into McLean did little to resolve the calamity. On a warm summer night, McLean was walking back to his North Aurora apartment from a nearby convenience store, where he'd bought a couple of cans of iced tea. He never made it home alive. As he was walking, a passing motorist noticed McLean was wearing some kind of mask and that he was black. He called dispatchers, specifically saying he'd not seen McLean do anything wrong or commit a crime, just that it seemed odd. When the first officer rolled up, he essentially pounced on McLean, alarming him. The officer's body cam video made clear how aggressively he confronted McLean. Other officers arrived, escalating the situation and terrifying a flailing McLean. He panicked as police physically subdued him and McLean began begging for his life. One of the officers strangled McLean with a chokehold causing him to faint. Despite McLean having been forced into unconsciousness, when fire department medics arrived, they then injected McLean with ketamine, a powerful tranquilizer. Medics had misjudged the 23-year-old's weight and he was given an overdose. He never regained consciousness. Weeks later, forensic pathology consultant Stefan Sina said the cause of McLean's death was unclear. The Adams County District Attorney did not file charges against any of the police or medics involved in McLean's death. It wasn't until Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser took up the case presenting it to a grand jury that numerous indictments were brought against police and medics. It was over one year ago. Last week, Sina changed his assessment of McLean's death, saying after reviewing information provided to the grand jury, it was clear to him that the tranquilizer injection killed McLean. Quote, I believe that Mr. McLean would most likely be alive, but for the administration of ketamine, Unquote. Cena wrote in his amended report, released this week after legal demands by metro area media. Still, Cena did not weigh on whether McLean's death was accidental or a homicide. Had McLean not been black, or had he lived in a wealthy neighborhood, or had police not aggressively escalated the situation from the onset and then even more so at the event devolved, And had medics asked trained emergency experts for advice or simply waited long enough to see that McLean was in no way a candidate for such an invasive procedure, or had they accurately assessed their patient and correctly dosed him, McLean, indeed, might be alive right now. But to indicate that McLean was simply the victim of an unfortunate series of accidents is shocking and repugnant. McLean was killed by a collection of Aurora police and medics that let a racist, bullying and incompetent conflagration spin out of control. McLean did not commit suicide, he did not bring on his own death, and by no stretch of the facts did McLean deserve his fate. Parallel to this Some city lawmakers are using McLean's death in a sordid attempt to curry favor with firefighter union members, indicating that the medics who killed McLean with the ketamine injection are actually the victims in this case, wrongfully accused of causing an innocent man's death. Union officials and some city lawmakers are balking at recent changes in law and procedure, pushing away from ketamine and toward a safer tranquilizer, used when genuinely needed. Such political theatrics undermine the public trust in Aurora medical rescuers and should cease now. These medics regularly provide complicated, life-saving but risky moves preserving lives. The insinuation that all medics are potential victims of unfair or politicized scrutiny based on the horrific and preventable death of McLean is repugnant. If they persist, the city should immediately cease providing paramedic services to residents and contract with local ambulance providers, just as Aurora has in the past. These medics are hired, trained, and paid to serve and preserve the lives of people here in Aurora. The city's residents and businesses do not serve Aurora medics choosing to partake in criminal investigation schemes. As to justice for McLean, the trial against his accusers is long overdue and critical to not only understand how and why McLean was killed, but so that Aurora police and fire officials can rebuild the public's trust by ensuring that it cannot and will not ever happen again. Statewide experiment including APS aims to expand the teacher pipeline and STEM turnover, by Ann Shimk, Chalkbeat, Colorado, September 30th, 2022. Denver Teacher vacancies and hiring headaches are a fact of life in many Colorado school districts these days. A Denver based nonprofit hopes to relieve some of those pressures by expanding its alternative licensure program and contracting new teachers to stay in their districts for three years, Chalkbeat Colorado reports. The Public Education and Business Coalition's plans are part of a new initiative that relies on, quote, pay for success, unquote, financing a funding mechanism in which outside investors cover up front costs and get paid back later with public money if certain goals are met. The three-year project aims to reduce teacher turnover and cut the cost associated with recruiting, onboarding, and training new teachers. This year, 35 prospective teachers and seven districts, including Aurora, Adams 12, and Durango, are participating in the project. Over three years, coalition leaders seek to mint 335 new teachers, including a significant number of teachers of color. Aurora Public Schools is among school districts statewide reporting difficulty in filling a variety of teaching positions and expressing concern about vacancies becoming an increasing problem. According to reports by Sentinel Colorado, Quote, the fear is there's more teachers that are going to leave the profession than are entering the profession, Unquote. said Brett Johnson, chief financial officer for the Aurora District. Quote, We're leveraging this pay for success model in hopes to recruit and retain quality teachers. Unquote. Pay for success financing, also called social impact bonds has gained traction nationwide in the last decade as a way to pay for social programs that yield long-term dividends but are expensive to launch. Typically, if such projects don't generate the hoped-for savings or meet certain metrics, outside investors lose some or all of their money. A recent project that paid for housing and support for chronically homeless Denver residents was particularly successful, reducing jail, detox, and emergency room costs. One investor in that project, Northern Trust, is one of three investors in the Coalition's project. The Gates Family Foundation and the Denver Foundation are the other two. Chalkbeat receives financial support from the Gates Family Foundation. The Coalition's long-standing teacher training program is one of dozens of alternative teacher preparation programs in Colorado. Such programs typically provide on-the-job training for prospective teachers who already have bachelor's degrees. The program doesn't charge tuition, but participants have to cobble together living expenses during their training year. The three investors will provide $1.4 million to cover costs associated with the year-long teacher residency program. The residency places participants in Colorado classrooms under the supervision of an experienced teacher and provides outside the classroom training. Normally, school districts pay up to $18,000 to place one of the coalition's teacher residents in their classrooms. Under the Pay for Success initiative, districts pay only about one-third of that amount up front. If the resident completes the three-year commitment, a year of training plus two years teaching in a district classroom, the district will make another payment. If the resident leaves before completing three years, the district is off the hook. Johnson said part of the appeal is that the model shifts the initial financial risk of teacher turnover off the district and onto the project funders. Plus, he said the lower upfront costs of placing teachers in training make it easier for districts to scale up placement numbers. Evan Kennedy, the Coalition's Senior Director of Policy and Strategic Initiatives, Said his group talked with school districts over two years to figure out what they needed from the project. District leaders told the coalition, If you can help us retain these teachers for three years, we have a lot of confidence that we can keep them for the long term, he said. In addition to defraying the school district's upfront costs, The Pay for Success project will pay teacher residents a $5,000 initiative during their training year. That's on top of state funding, scholarships, and other dollars that help teacher residents cover living expenses during training. Residents who don't fulfill the three-year term will pay a financial penalty based on the amount of time completed. Besides the 35 teacher residents participating in the project this year, the coalition has 51 other teacher residents. Anne Schimke is a senior reporter at Chalkbeat, covering early childhood issues and early literacy. Contact Anne at A-S-C-H-I-M-K-E at chalkbeat.org. Aurora's Chief Issue, Bumpy Rollout of Police Chief Finalists Gets Bumpier as Black Community Leaders Question Process, Results, by Max Levy, Sentinel Staff Writer, September 29, 2022. The City of Aurora announced three, and later two, finalists last week for the job of leading the Aurora Police Department a public safety agency struggling to regain the community's trust while hanging onto officers and cracking down on car theft and other crimes. At the end of the months-long selection process, Aurorans from across the political spectrum also aired their frustration with a process that they described as opaque and rushed, with lagging attempts to get the input of black and brown residents and community leaders. It's been a long journey to September 27th, where the city's two police chief finalists were introduced to the public. Aurora police attracted unwanted international attention for the past few years after the death of Elijah McLean. An incident involving an officer passed out drunk inside of his police cruiser, young black girls being forced face down onto hot pavement during a botched traffic stop, and the forced rehiring of a veteran officer who referred to black crime witnesses as, quote, porch monkeys, unquote. Ultimately, Vanessa Wilson was elevated to chief and made it a priority for the department to atone for past mistakes and commit to firing cops deemed rogue. Not long into her tenure, Aurora and the state attorney general entered into a consent decree spelling out a bevy of police reform mandates. Wilson was fired in April over those police reforms and ensuring conflict within the department and on the city council. When asked about Wilson's firing, city manager. Jim Twombly alleged leadership problems in the department but did not say what Wilson had done specifically to lose her job. Former Chief Dan Oates was tapped as intern chief shortly after. Three possible replacements for Wilson were announced September twenty-first though the field abruptly narrowed to two candidates the same day when the city said Scott Booth of Danville, Virginia had withdrawn following the announcement. Booth has served as chief of Danville's police department since 2018, during which time the career law enforcement officer won awards from Radford University and Virginia Commonwealth University for his community policing programs and leadership. Following Booth's withdrawal, he told a reporter, John Crane, of the Danville Register and B that the Aurora job was, quote, a very interesting opportunity in a great community that offered a lot of opportunities and challenges, unquote, but that he ultimately wanted to stay in Danville. The remaining finalists, who were selected by a panel of senior City officials from a pool of candidates that the City recruited with the help of California-based consultancy public sector search and consulting, include Scott Ebner, a retired Lieutenant Colonel and Deputy Superintendent of Administration for New Jersey State Police, and David Franklin, Chief of Staff of the Albuquerque, New Mexico Police Department. Ebner is a retired Lieutenant Colonel and Deputy Superintendent of Administration for New Jersey State Police. He has applied for at least two other police chief roles this year. In February, he was named one of five finalists for the role of police chief in the town of Prescott Valley, Arizona. He lost out on the role to former Loveland Police Chief Bob Tyser. In May, He was named as one of four candidates for Honolulu Police Chief but was not ultimately selected. According to information released by the city of Aurora, Ebner was with the New Jersey State Police for 27 years and he previously worked for the Cape Cora Police Department in Florida. He graduated from the FBI National Academy and has a master's degree in human resource management. Reporting from the Prescott E-News said that before retirement, Ebner's duties included overseeing more than 300 employees and running the state police's training academy. According to the paper, quote, Abner said he wants to continue his public safety career as a chief of police with a progressive agency that is committed to community engagement and incorporates the best practices in the field." Unquote. Little public information is available about his tenure. In 1998, a New York Times article details an incident where a government official who was in a car he pulled over for a traffic stop due to alleged erratic driving accused him of racial profiling. Essex County Prosecutor Patricia Hurt, a black woman, filed a complaint against Ebner regarding the incident. According to the Times, Hurt was a passenger in a car being driven by investigator Lachia Rosa a Hispanic woman who worked in the prosecutor's office. According to the Times, multiple people had reported the car for erratic driving and Rosa was given a speeding ticket. Due to Hertz' complaint, the state police conducted an investigation. At press time, a Sentinel records request to the agency is pending. The other finalist, Franklin, Is a U.S. Marine Corps veteran and current Chief of Staff for the Albuquerque Police Department. A 2021 article of the Albuquerque Journal described his duties at the time he was hired as overseeing special projects, building and planning, fiscal, human resources, and staffing, as well as working with the City Council. He served in the Texas Department of Public Safety for about 25 years starting out as a trooper and sergeant in 1993 and departing as an executive commander and captain in 2018, according to a profile published on the City of Aurora's website. He also served as assistant chief of the University of Texas at Arlington Police Department for a year in 2019. Franklin also graduated from the FBI National Academy and holds a master's degree focusing on homeland security issues, according to his City bio. After Booth's withdrawal, City spokesman Ryan Lubby wrote in an email that the City, quote, will be connecting with our recruiting firm for further insight, unquote. Quote, at this moment, the city will proceed with the two remaining finalists, but may approach some of the original semi-finalists for reconsideration, Lubby wrote on September 21st, quote, we will provide more details when and if that occurs, Lubby wrote Tuesday that Ebner and Franklin were the city's only two finalists and that the city was, quote, moving forward with both as scheduled, Unquote. Public Sector Search and Consulting, was said to have conducted a nationwide search for candidates, sharing the opening with organizations like the Colorado Association of Chiefs of Police, Police Executive Research Forum, Hispanic American Police Command Officers Association, International Association of Chiefs of Police, National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives and the National Association of Women Law Enforcement Executives. Lubby wrote that seven of the 21 applicants were women or people of color. All three finalists were men. When asked if the three were, in fact, white, Lubby replied that, quote, the city does not ask a candidate to provide their national origin, race, color, religion, disability, sex, and familial status, unquote, but said statistics were collected by PSSC. Quote, hiring decisions based on these protected classes is illegal, unquote, he said. Quote, as for the finalists, city management chose the most qualified finalists of the candidates who actually applied, unquote. Libby wrote that all applicants came from outside of APD, Semifinalists and finalists were chosen by a panel consisting of Oates, City Manager Jim Twombly, and Deputy City Managers Jason Batchelor, Laura Perry, and Roberto Venegas, with the help of PCCS. Lubby said nine applicants were chosen for semifinalist interviews, one of whom was a woman who withdrew, and another was a person of color who did not advance. Close look at the final two. The interview process continued for Ebner and Franklin this week as they met officers, toured police facilities, answered questions posed by the public in recorded interviews, and participated in a meet and greet with residents. The city also opened its online Engage Aurora portal to solicit feedback from the public on the finalists and their interviews. In their September 27th taped interviews, the two fielded questions about their vision for the department, accomplishing the reforms included in the city's consent decree with the Colorado Attorney General's Office, improving morale, tackling crime, and more. When asked what made him the most qualified candidate for the job, Ebner talked about his commitment to public service as well as his experience working with the New Jersey State Police while that agency was managing its own federal consent decree, which addressed the problem of racial profiling during traffic stops. Ebner said the agency had, quote, really flourished, unquote, in the aftermath of the decree. Quote, throughout my career, I've always put the public before myself. Unquote. He said, quote, To this day, I believe to my heart that law enforcement is the most noble profession there is because we're willing to put ourselves in harm's way to protect someone we don't even know, just like the military. Unquote. Franklin talked about his experience in the Albuquerque Police Department. Also, which has been operating under a settlement agreement with the federal government concerning officers' use of force since 2014. He said he wanted to change the culture of Aurora police through community outreach and by inviting community members in to share their experiences with police. He also said his experience investigating organized crime would help police undertake more surgical enforcement actions and reduce crime while avoiding the perception of over-policing. Quote, one of the things that you've got to bring to this particular agency at this time is change, unquote, Franklin said. Quote, the Aurora Police Department will be a constitutional, relationship-based policing organization, unquote. Both said they wanted greater input in the hiring process than what the current structure, leaving hiring decisions up to the Civil Service Commission, allows. Franklin said he thought the department should focus on retention as its, quote, stopgap, unquote, while not sweating the departure of problem officers. Quote, we've got to retain these officers that are good officers. We've got to let those officers that ain't so good, that just want to leave because they don't want to change, we've got to let them go, and we can't worry about them," Franklin said. Quote, sometimes, you know, you've just got to fire people, unquote. Ebner said the department should promote opportunities for professional development when recruiting new officers and said he would challenge officers to promote the department and welcome interested candidates to apply on its behalf. Quote, I'm going to challenge every one of them to make sure that they supply an individual a name that we can use to hopefully become an officer, unquote. He said, quote, it's easy for people to sit back and say, well, you're not hiring diverse candidates. I would challenge them and ask. Have you recommended any diverse candidates to us?" Unquote. When asked about his approach to crime reduction, Ebner said he believed it was important for police to build trust within the community, including by ensuring a diverse workforce and invest in technology. Quote, the most important part of police work is the prevention of crime, Unquote, Ebner said. Quote, how do you do that? You have to work with the community. The community has to know that they can come to you and feel safe, and not feel like they're going to be investigated when they're the ones reporting a crime," unquote. Franklin stressed the importance of intelligence gathering and determining the, quote, drivers, unquote, quote, facilitators, unquote, and, quote, anchors, unquote of crime as well as working with other city departments to make sure environmental features like dead streetlights aren't contributing to crime. The two also described their plans for reforming police along the lines of the city's consent decree. Franklin said he would like to see the department improve its computer-aided dispatch technology to make it easier for officers to document details of stops and make sure there are enough staffers to evaluate uses of force by officers. He also said he would like to see the department review its use of force policies and make sure they align not only with state law but also national best practices established by organizations such as the Police Executive Research Forum and International Association of Chiefs of Police. Quote, Bring me those people that are much smarter than me, and just let me facilitate them getting us the best practices and best ideas, unquote," Franklin said. Quote, What we really need to do is change the ideology that asks what works for Aurora. No, what about best practices nationwide, unquote. Ebner said he wanted to make sure Aurora Police have an effective way of tracking the demographic data of drivers who they stop and that the data is compared with those of other officers operating in their same area. Quote, if for some reason I'm stopping a certain person of a certain demographic at a higher ratio than you, then we're going to look at my videos, we're going to look at my stop data, We're going to look at my arrests, and we're going to see why, unquote," he said. Ebner said he was committed to staying with the city for seven to ten years to see it through the implementation of its consent decree. Quote, It's a cultural change in the beginning, unquote, he said. Quote, It's not easy. It's difficult, unquote. Community dissent. Not everyone was encouraged by the city's choice of finalists or the process by which they were chosen, including many of Aurora's most high-profile residents of color who said that they were shut out of the decision-making process. Quote, this is a missed opportunity to diversify the Aurora Police Department top-down, unquote. Quasser Mohammed Mohamed Bahi lawyer for Elijah McLean's mother, Shanine McLean, said of the selection. Thomas Mays, the president of the Denver Ministerial Alliance, who since 1990 has helped mediate conversations between the Aurora Police Department and residents, said he rejected an offer from the city to interview the finalists, who were handpicked by senior city officials. By only reaching out to black residents for input after the candidate pool had been narrowed down to three finalists, Mays said the city limited their role to rubber stamping the choices of the interview panel. Quote, That's the role of a token and I'm not going to be there just because they want someone black there. I'll be there if I feel like I can make a difference, unquote, Mays said. Quote, It's the same thing over and over again, and I'm at my wit's end to figure out where we go from here. This to me was a slap in the face." Mays said that he had been told that several candidates of color had dropped out of the selection process and wondered if that would still have happened if leaders of color had been involved in the process since the beginning. State Senator Rhonda Fields shares May's concerns. She pointed out that community members were given only a few days to submit questions before the recorded interviews on September 27th. Quote, Around 40% of the people who live in Aurora happen to be black and brown, and no one reached out to them to get a sense of what they're looking for in a police chief, unquote, Fields said. Quote, I am extremely troubled and disappointed in this whole entire process." Unquote. She said she worries that by, quote, rushing, unquote, the process, the city is dooming itself to hire another police chief who will remain in office for only a year or two before leaving. Both questioned whether the process needed to be paused or at least slow down so the city can get more feedback on candidates considered for the job. State Representative Janet Buckner said that over the summer, she had been involved in a series of community conversations between community leaders of color and interim police chief Dan Oates and others in APD about how to rebuild trust in the department. She was told the meetings were confidential. Quote, now I'm wondering, were they confidential because we were not being included? Unquote. Buckner speculated to the Sentinel on Tuesday. She said she found out about the candidates when she was watching the news on TV. Quote, I stopped what I was doing and rewound because I was in disbelief, Unquote. she said. To Buckner's knowledge, Nobody who was involved in the discussions over the summer had been invited to participate in this election process. An omission, she said, made her feel hurt and disrespected. Quote, for none of the black community leaders to be involved in this process is shameful. Unquote, she said. She echoed a common theme among black Aurorans the Sentinels spoke with anger that they were being asked to sign on to the city's decision without truly being included in the process. Quote, this was not done with thoughtfulness and it was not done with respect, yet they want our support. Unquote. Buckner said. She declined to attend the meet and greet segment for the public on September 27th. Lobby later said the process used to select the three finalists was the same process used to select Wilson and other chiefs, and that the city, quote, gave strong direction to the city's recruiting firm to seek out and encourage police chief applications from a wide diverse pool of qualified candidates, unquote. Quote, as we have previously stated. The city's management team chose the most qualified finalists out of the candidates who actually applied with attention given to ensuring candidates meet the city of Aurora's needs, unquote, he said. Even some city council members slammed the selection process, with Danielle Jurinski saying in a September twenty-second Twitter post that she felt, quote, great sadness, unquote, for the department. Quote, the recruiting efforts for a new chief were abysmal at best. Unquote, she wrote, though she did not elaborate on why she thought the search was lacking. Quote, to the officers, please know that I will not accept this quietly. The department deserves better. Aurora deserves better. Jim Twombly, do better. Unquote. At a Tuesday evening press conference outside the Aurora Municipal Center, Mays and a number of other former members of the Aurora Police Oversight Committee gathered to ask City leadership to restart the selection process and to reinstate the committee. Quote, We will pursue every facet available to us in order to reinstate the community's voice in every process. Unquote said longtime local activist and former City Council candidate Candace Bailey. One by one, the Oversight Committee members evinced a sense of frustration about their present circumstances. After years of protests and multiple investigations, they were once again gathered at City Hall to demand that the Aurora Police Department live up to its promises of change. Quote, No community has been more negatively affected by the Aurora Police Department than the African-American community, unquote, Mays said. And yet, it was not at the table during this pivotal decision. The speakers were not forgetful of the fact that they were gathered at the same place where the largest protest demanding justice for Elijah McLean's death in 2020 took place. Bailey at one point gestured to the municipal center's windows, which were boarded up for about two years after being damaged during the protests. Quote, It's really important to keep in perspective that this is the department that killed Elijah McLean. Unquote. Said Joshua Jackson, State Criminal Justice Committee Chair of the Rocky Mountain NAACP. Quote, This is a department that has blood on its hands already. Seen and Heard, Get Your Fall on Around the Aurora Region, by The Sentinel, September 29, 2022. Boo! Seen and Heard brings you the best fall events around Aurora and beyond for the fall season. Whether it's spooky experiences, cozy entertainment, or festive treats, you'll find it here. Have an event we should feature? Email us the details at events at sentinelcolorado.com. Fall into fun at the Aurora Municipal Center. Saturday, October 1st from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. 15151 East Alameda Parkway, Aurora, Colorado 80012. Visit www.auroragov.org forward slash fall into fun for more information. The annual fall festival returns for another year offering spooky themed fun on the Great Lawn of the Aurora Municipal Center. The festival will offer, quote, energetic, unquote, live performances, a whole host of food trucks, fall themed activities unique goods from a variety of vendors, and to top it off, a pumpkin patch. There are also activities specific to the young'uns including face painting, caricature artists, balloon twisting, and fright-filled inflatables. Admission and all activities are free. Quote, Ghosts of the Radio, unquote, at Vintage Theater, October 2nd, at 7.30 p.m. Vintage Theater 1468 Dayton Street, Aurora, Colorado 80010. This one-night theatrical event takes the audience back, way back. Quote, Ghosts on the Radio, unquote, presented by One Night Stand Theater, features short plays inspired by the golden age of radio when dramas had listeners on the edge of their seats, from stories of love and murder, to a tale about an amateur psychic who unleashes terror, these short plays showcase a whole different era of entertainment. Quote, this is our first old time radio show in five years and we're looking forward to the audience and the cast having fun with these tales of thrills and chills along with our homemade sound effects and bogus commercial sponsors. Unquote, says James O'Leary, Artistic Director of One Night Stand Theater. Visit onenightstandtheater.org for tickets and more details. Stanley Marketplace Fall Festival, October 16th, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., 2501 Dallas Street, Aurora, Colorado 80010. Yes, summer was fun especially with the folks at Stanley Marketplace in North Aurora. But fall is looking like a bale of excitement. From all the cozy beers you're sure to find at Chaluna Brewing Company to cooking classes at Create that will help you master dining in during the cold months, you'll want to make the trek to 2501 Dallas Street. On October 16th, make sure to stop by for the free fall festival which will feature all sorts of vendors, snacks, costume contests, and yes, pumpkin picking. For more information, visit www.stanleymarketplace.com. You can find the details for these and other events on the SentinelColorado.com article titled, Seen and Heard, Get Your Fall on Around the Aurora Region. Thank you for joining us for the Arapahoe County News. My name is Pablo. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.